All right, guys. So I got I dug up some information on uh, on COVID. I wanted to go over some stuff with you. So the the coronavirus is is now uh, at a state of being a pandemic. Originated in the Wuhan district of China, um, mostly in the later part of 2019, and since then it has spread pretty much everywhere in the world. It's caused by uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And that's just a member of the coronavirus family, similar to the SARS pandemic that we had back in 2002, if you remember that, as well as the MERS pandemic that we had in 2012. As of right now, um, let's say March 29th, the, the caseload has been about 300,000 people globally, with about 14,000 casualties have been reported so far. Right now, the, the current challenges that we've been having as the medical field is managing the disease, which really has been hinging on poor control of the community spread. So that's really where we're having our most difficulty. Re the other part of that is that we don't have any good effective therapies. This is one of the situations where we don't really have a good a vaccine for yet. I think there's some that are being developed. I've heard some stuff on Twitter about Maybe there's a vaccine from one of the firms in Boston that may have a vaccine already. I don't know how true this is, but it's something that definitely needs to, to be in development. It'll probably be a year or so before we're able to get anything like that and distribute it with enough volume to really make an impact. Um, the, the pandemic itself, though, has caused a significant strain on our economics as well. Um, it's been taxing the healthcare system. There's a lot of volume, especially in New York with my, my friends there. They've been really pounded with the number of people that have COVID and coming into the hospital. Uh, but for my, my role here, I just wanted to talk about the cardiovascular aspect of the disease and kind of how the virus affects the heart. Um, so it's primarily spread through aerosol or fomite-based transmission to the respiratory tract. So that's why N95 masks are a big deal, as well as surgical masks. The N95 masks, I think, are going to be the better option between the surgical masks and the N95 masks. But I know that there is a significant um, shortage of the N95 masks. Even in my hospital, they've been telling us for the past couple of weeks to not wear masks and that we're scaring patients and it's not a good idea. Um, to use the PPE unnecessarily. And then all of a sudden, we got an email last Friday saying that it's okay to use N95 masks or surgical masks, and we have to use one per day, and all this other stuff. I think there's been a lot of debate amongst the hospital systems on what to do, because the masks are going to be a significant cost to the system. In, an, in a time that is otherwise pretty economically hard for everybody, especially healthcare, given the amount of volume that we're seeing and the amount of, um, I don't know how to say this polit in a polit politically correct way, but the amount of um, money that they're not getting reimbursed from Medicare or Medicaid. So... Um, the incubation period of the virus, kind of moving back into the virus stuff, the incubation period of the virus is about 2 to 14 days. There have been a few cases that have shown...
There have been a few cases where people have not shown any symptoms until 19 to 24 days after, but I think that's pretty rare. Most people have been showing symptoms within that 2 to 14 day period. The main manifestation that you get is a lower respiratory tract infection. So it's usually a cough, shortness of breath, and you know that's really about it. Most people actually just have a fever. And, you know, that's so because of that, that's one of the main things that people have been looking out for when they're screening. So in terms of mortality, it's approximately 3.4% based on the data that we have now. But honestly, like this could be a lot lower. We haven't been testing a lot of people. We haven't been testing everybody is the real issue. So since we don't know what the actual um, infection rate is, we may be missing a significant amount of people that have the virus but are asymptomatic. And if we were able to test everybody, we may find that the mortality of the disease is actually much lower. As the denominator, the bottom number gets a lot bigger, this top number becomes a lot less significant. So currently, testing is conducted through viral uh, RNA-PCR, which is one of the mechanisms that I learned about in um, back in college. I couldn't even tell you what it was at this point in time. But basically, they amplify the RNA of the virus in order to figure out if a person has it. The average turnaround time has been about 2 to 14 days. I've heard cases of people that get the test back in about 24 hours, and then I've also heard um, testing taking approximately one whole week, which is just absolutely ridiculous in this day and age. But that is another tribute to just how overloaded our systems are. Um, most patients like kind of going, in terms of testing, most patients have what they, what they call lymphopenia with mildly prolonged, uh, PT times. What that means is basically we get a blood test of all of the, the white cells and the red cells and the platelets are all just kind of blood cells that float around in our body. One of those specific white cells is uh, diminished in people that have COVID. And then a prolonged PT time means that the uh, amount of time it takes for someone to stop bleeding tends to be a little bit longer. One of the other signs that we look for with COVID patients is the CT scans. So the CT scans of the chest may show what we call a bilateral patchy ground glass opacity in most patients. That's not something you all need to know, but it's something that uh, we would definitely need to see in order to have a very high suspicion of uh, of COVID. Unfortunately, our tri- uh, we, we don't have very many good treatments for this. What we've been doing for the most part has been treating um, the respiratory distress that people come in with. So that's why people end up getting intubated. And they typically have what we call is ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome. So that's something that we kind of treat without, you know, we don't, there's no real great role for antibiotics here. It's just we need to keep people on the vent, treat, you know, keep their lungs open. And that's really about it.
there are a couple drugs that are being investigated in terms of this uh, to treat this virus. There are what we call protease inhibitors. There was a trial that was recently published uh, in NEJM. Um, there were drugs that they were investigating were lopinavir as well as ritonavir. These drugs, unfortunately, did not show any significant benefit in terms of getting uh, in terms of treating people with COVID. There was another uh, monoclonal antibody, tocalizumab. I think that's how it's pronounced. That's being investigated. Uh, I don't know what the results of that are, but we will obviously be looking forward to that and seeing if that there's if that's a viable option to treat this disease.